When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. stood on the corner of 12th Street and by, but I know where it is in Kansas City because it's not far from Arthur Bryant's Barbecue, which is at 20th in Brooklyn. It's over near the uh, Negro League Baseball Hall of Fame, which is outstanding, a great visit there. Bill Schoening and I went there years ago when Bill obviously was still uh, handling the play-by-play, and I was his analyst. This is, goes back like 25 years ago. We went in the Negro League Baseball Hall of Fame. had just opened, and we had a great time on that. But that's the uh, Wilbert Harrison edition of the, the original that I told you about, Kansas City. And we're, This is a great town. I've always enjoyed this town, uh, Kansas City. Good place for basketball. was good to the Longhorns two weeks ago when they won the Big 12 Conference Tournament, and they'll try – to uh, win two games here this weekend in the Midwest region and uh, advance to their first Final Four in 20 years. But to do that, they're going to have to beat two really good teams. Obviously, first Xavier tomorrow night, tip off somewhere in the 845 to 9 o'clock range. Our extended coverage begins at 8 o'clock tomorrow on the Horn. And then uh, after that, it's either going to be Houston, the one seed, who most folks think it'll be, or it could be Miami, the five seed, who had knocked out the four-seed Indiana. So uh, so it'll be Friday, Sunday. Do not yet know the start time of what would be the Elite Eight game on Sunday if the Longhorns win and advance tomorrow night. But we do know tomorrow night's game will tick, tip off, as I mentioned, somewhere probably between 8.45 and 9 o'clock. So we'll uh, look forward to bringing you that contest. Meanwhile, Longhorn Baseball opens Big 12 Conference play tomorrow evening at UFCU Dish Falk Field. The Longhorns will take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, who've been pretty impressive so far this season. And you'll be able to hear that game on AM 1260 and on 101.9 FM. AM 1260, 101.9 FM, and also online at texasports.com. Working as the analyst, we are wearing him out. He's going to work all three games this weekend on Longhorn Baseball with us, of course, for 20 years, the head baseball coach at Texas State. Now he's turning into quite the analyst. They're working with uh, uh, Brant Freeman on the Texas State telecast for uh, ESPN Plus and then on our broadcast uh, with uh, with play-by-play guy de jour, depending on how long the uh, Longhorn basketball team sticks around. It's either me or Roger or Tom Barfield. He's Ty Harrington, who joins us now in the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina. 
hotline. Have we worn you out yet working with us? <laughs> no. You know when it comes to college baseball that not only am I one of the biggest fans and promoters of it, but I, I love to talk about it and uh, love to analyze it. Um, you know, it, it's common for me after games. I get Although getting used to this late-night eating – that analysts and radio and TV people have it. It's not unusual for me after games, either driving home from Austin or San Marcos, to stop, eat, maybe have one adult beverage, and while I geek out reading all the box scores from around the country. You know, a lot of people love to read magazines, books, novels. Mine's box scores, and uh, it tells a story, in my mind, tells a story about the game, the season, the teams, the moment, and uh, and so uh, I am not worn out. I've enjoyed every piece of it, every minute of it, and uh, I am incredibly excited and fired up for this weekend uh, with a first Big 12 weekend for Texas, not Texas Tech, obviously, uh, but for Texas, and I'm excited to, to be back at the dish this weekend. Ty, you have only to look at the physical state of radio and television broadcasters in baseball to know what that late night will do to you ultimately in terms of the uh, late night dining <laughs> and things in that way. I mean, you have only to check us out to understand that. But but we but we're we're thrilled to have you with us, uh, nevertheless. Um, the uh, but first things first. Before we get to talking about uh, Texas and the Big Twelve, and we're going to do that. Um, were you working the uh, telecast with the game with Texas State and Houston Christian last night? Was that was that or was softball last night? I, can't I was remember. not. Okay, I was right. not. I, I I was not. I was. I did the night before um, yeah. when they played against Corpus. Them, uh, Corpus Christi and yep and Scott Malone and his bunch, which was a pretty decent baseball game. Um, and then last night I took a night off and uh, went to my daughter's um, middle school track meet in San Antonio and uh, in support of her running efforts. <laughs> and I uh, might say we did win the hundred meter hurdles. And, um, but after that we were, we were participating. And so, but I'm very proud of it. I don't get to see her that often. And uh, so I was excited to get a chance to go watch track and field, but I did. And in between starts and events and moments, I did have the game on my phone. Sure, you did. As I was watching and listening, of course I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, spent Wednesday and then spent Wednesday night reading box scores. Once I got home, you know, the whole evening reading box scores and and uh, and trying to figure out who did what and how. Would it be safe to say that the win last Sunday for Texas State in capturing that series? Uh, from Southern Miss at the time, ranked 25th. Bobcats had dropped the, the series open on Friday night, came back one Saturday, uh, and kind of outslugged them on Sunday, one eight five. Was that the most important win of the season, you think, to this point for Texas State? I would say so, yes. You know, Friday night, Zeke Wood didn't pitch. He, he was going to sit out a week or just not very long with a, uh, a small injury. And uh, so they had to change their rotation – um, and went to Cameron Bush, who's a Round Rock product, and a, and a very good pitcher, by the way. And they were going to piece it together with their bullpen and uh, got beat Friday night. And then really and truly the, the flip of it was Levi Wells on Saturday. Levi Wells dominated that game for five innings, 
uh, was really, really good. The bullpen came through, which has been probably two things. The biggest improvement of Texas State in the last two to three weeks has been their bullpen and their defense. And uh, they're starting to play defense at a high level. Uh, Davis Powell's back in the lineup, the shortstop who had an injury early in the year they thought might be out for the year but was not, luckily, and he has come back and really solidified that defense and their their offense. But uh, Levi Wells was good Saturday. And then Sunday, they they pitched, you know, well enough. But what happened was they went to the right side and forced, um, at that point in time, they went to Tristan Dixon, who's got four saves, and they're a multi-purpose pitcher. And then to, to kind of counter that, Southern Miss, about the sixth, went to all their left. They emptied their bench with left-handed hitters to try to get to him. Ben McClain made an unbelievable play with two outs and a bases loaded that would have scored at least three and extended the inning, made a jump up on the center field wall, ran into the wall, made an unbelievable catch. And at that point, Texas State, you know, their offense came back through again, which has been really offensive, particularly in the slugging percentage size and the home runs, uh, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, and they turned around left-handed, and uh, they brought in McCaffrey to finish out the game. Ended up, I think, the last three hitters were left-handed, and he had to come in and close it out. So, answer your question, yes. Sunday was a huge game for them with Southern Miss. Opening of conference and to bounce back after losing on Friday. And uh, But they're... You know, the offense is what takes the majority of the accolades right now, but really and truly the bullpen solidifying it and their defense. And then Chase Mora, Craig, I'm not even sure how to describe what this young freshman's doing right now. I mean, he, he's got, I think it's 17 hits, and nine of them are home runs. He had four. He's only like an Altuve type player. He's not huge in stature but it's got some kind of buggy whip in that barrel and just a wiry, strong, and fast twitch, all those words you could come up with to describe him. But he's challenged the center field wall twice and successfully for homers. And then, like I said, had that one game where he hit four home runs, one to right, one to left, one to left center, one to dead center. And, I think he got, uh, and that's pretty I, impressive. I, yeah, I, I think he got honored uh, by the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association this week and then and then uh you said uh gonzalez has just been hitting just about as well as anybody across oh. the country that throw over the course of the season right he has and i was about to bring him up I, you know craig last year keith Warland, you know talked about you know guys turning being a, a professional hitter you like to use that word because he's a professional hitter himself and he can evaluate that as good or uh, or better than anybody and I would say the same thing right now uh, about Jose Gonzalez. He just does not expand the zone. He does not get what I mean by that. He doesn't have trash at bats. He doesn't throw away at bats. And, and in big moments, he doesn't get himself out. And the game's already hard enough as a hitter, uh, particularly with college pitching being a little bit older over the last two years. But he does not expand stays within himself that's why you see you know the 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 eight homers i think it is and the you know 12 13 doubles whatever that i mean it's just ridiculous what that young man has been able to do and uh and particularly in the rbis you know at 35 rbis so i mean he he is a very qualified pro looking hitter at this point in time which makes it really important who's hitting in front and behind him and what they're able to do and, and accomplish as well well, the reason why I brought that up, one more thing about Texas State, then we'll jump to Texas in the Big 12. Um, it, it, it's They got a huge home series win over Southern Miss, as I pointed out. 
Now they go on the road and they play Coastal Carolina. Now we know what Gary Gilmore's done in the past. They won the national championship in 2016, and they're an annual uh, either regional participant or pretty close. They've been a little more middle of the road this year, 12-6. and six. And the other thing that strikes me about the, the Chanticleers is they have played two, two total games outside of the state of South Carolina. And, in fact, only three total games that were not in their own ballpark. They have one game 70 miles down the coast at Charleston, which they lost. And uh, they just they had their conference opening series uh, up at James Madison in Harrisonburg, and they took two out of three from that. But it's kind of like what we're going to discuss with Texas Tech here in a moment. This is a ball club that's played a ton of home games, so clearly they're, they're pretty comfortable playing there in Conway. Uh, but here's another opportunity with – with two of the annual powers in Southern Miss, and who's new to the Sun Belt, and and uh, and Coastal, for uh, for uh, Stephen Trout's team to really get a big jump on conference play if they can be successful this weekend in Conway. Well, couldn't they clear some hurdles, and uh, and really you know clean a clear a path for them uh, moving forward with a conference regular season conference championship and. And you're right, you know, Gary and him, and who is an unbelievable person, by the way, and a great baseball guy, and what he does is that they have a lot of those teams come in and play in those tournaments. So he just says, look, we're going to sit right here at Myrtle Beach, which you're familiar with, and, and we're going to sit right here in this beautiful ballpark, and it is a gorgeous ballpark. Have a lot of tournaments, and, and a lot of times when you do that, you can gain some confidence by playing at home. You've seen that, you know, trans in with Texas, you know, they're letting games uh, home stand as well. And what that does and translates into, we start to feel good about who we are and what we're doing and how we're doing it. And they haven't really had to take that show on the road too much. And then, you know, coastal meeting last weekend, they were able to successfully play well on the road there, taking two out of three, but Gary loves to play at home with those tournaments. He'll have people come from the Midwest, you name it. You'll look up, and there'll be some quality teams that go down there and, and, and love to play. And so for Steven and them, Coach Trout, this will be a huge weekend, particularly because you just mentioned coming out of Southern Mass, now you go to Coastal, you know, two of the top four teams projection-wise in the conference, and historically, and as you mentioned, Southern Mass being brand new into the conference as well. Well, they go in two out of three this weekend, and they've cleaned a path for them, you know, to, to move forward as opposed to some of the other teams possibly. Visiting with Ty Harrington, uh, talking college baseball, just finished talking about Texas State, and now let's get into talking about Longhorns, and this coincides with us being our Longhorn Notebook, brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. Okay, so to the Big 12, and you mentioned Texas, 11-0 and on the 11-game on the homestand. I do like the frankness with which David Pierce discussed that this morning when he was on with Bucky and Aaron. He said, we had 11 games that we were supposed to win, and they won them. So that's easier said than done when you play 11 games uh, in a row. But but I think it's all about the mindset, isn't it, uh, Ty? Understanding, uh, you talked about the professional hitter mindset, taking that attitude and approach to the ballpark, whether you're facing Texas Tech this weekend uh, or Incarnate Word the other night. And, and, and I know David wasn't pleased with the bullpen the other night, but by and large uh, he's gotten much better offensive approach. The defense has improved, and he's getting closer to getting the answers on what he wants to do with his starting rotation in his bullpen. I think there's a, a lot of things in what you just said. The first one is when you go home to play, 
It allows you not only to get the comfort of your own bed, your own surroundings, your own locker, all those your own routine, but allows you to do extra work. I, I thought it was critical for them coming out of Fullerton uh, to go back home and and get comfortable, get confident, but also have some timelines in there where you could work on your own in your own facility, and and be able to to do some things in your own you know backyard, spend some time with your coaches prior to the games, right, and get up and get extra work, and, you know, your routine becomes expanded at that point in time. And I, I thought that was, you know, perfect timing for them. And you go in there and you look. I mean, they, I think in the homestand they've hit 326 as a team. Their slugging percentage over that has been, you know, I think it's somewhere similar around 539. And then the last piece of that for me, and I know everybody – doesn't you know pay as much attention maybe i pay too much to it i'm not sure but their defense is 976 for fielding percentage you know now again put this in perspective a year ago they fielded 981 i think 982 and led the country which was unreal totally unreal as a coach you'll take 972 to 975 you're not going to lose many games by defensive breakdowns when you're in that fielding percentage um, and I thought that, that over this, you know, extended break, uh, or le- I'm sorry, extended 11-game homestand, they, they started to shine in a lot of different ways. The obvious is to talk about Peyton Powell. The obvious is Kennedy. And the, and the thing that's been important for me at Porter Brown is his offensive production has been good. He has such long, drawn-out at-bats. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he has so much confidence to go deep in account with two strikes, um, and if you give college pitchers enough pitches to the plate, eventually a mistake's going to come up um, and it's going to happen. And I think he does a great job of taking advantage of that. And then Gil Matt's growth, I think, as a hitter since, you know, over time getting adjusted. I heard David talk about him or Coach Pierce talk about him this morning uh, and his adjustment as well. But they're starting to figure – I think they're starting to figure out the bullpen. You know, to me, one of the most valuable guys has been Hurley. Um, I mean, he allows you to use him in so many different ways. Um, now they've gone to, to Morehouse, going to the back end. That's an electric 92 to 95 mile an hour, you know, fastball with a breaker. Has a heartbeat for it, it seems like. Uh, doesn't seem, you know, that's important when you start putting guys out there. We all know it. You say it all the time. Last three outs of the game are the three hardest outs to get, and you'll certainly see that. But um, I, I think the 11 games have been important for them. I think you also heard him talk about Coach Pierce this morning, talk about taking what they've done and not, you know, over-addressing it or make it bigger this weekend, trying to keep it as simple as possible. But what you start to find as a coach is when conference starts is who those, who those players are that really engage and embrace this moment. And then you have the yeah. ones who maybe, you know, don't really step into it as much, maybe stand on the side of it, and then you really don't want the guys who step back from it. And so you're trying to identify that as a team. And then collectively, when you start getting that, is when that team really starts to play well, starts to push forward. Yeah. The, uh, well, I was going to ask you about three other guys uh, with whom I, I've noticed marked improvement and uptick in their game during the 11 games. In addition to what we saw, we saw Peyton Powell start to come to life in Fullerton. And then he's just continued yeah. it since getting back home. But the three guys that I was going to ask you about, and you've mentioned two of them already, one of them was Charlie Hurley, and he got his first win as a starter uh, the other night and and gave up the leadoff homer to open the ball game, and then almost nothing else after that was really, really good. Um, You mentioned Garrett Gilmet, who's starting to hit now, comfortable behind the plate. 
And the other guy, I mean, this is the waiting for Godot moment. We've all been waiting on Dylan Campbell because of what he did in the second half of the season last year. And, a lot, and, I, and I'm quick to remind folks about this. D.C. started his season last year extremely slow, and it took about half the year for him to kind of get untracked and start to figure it out, and then he was such a weapon in the postseason. This year, it started for him slow again. Now, and it's tracking a little ahead of where he started to get it you know, squared and figured out last year, he's starting to hit the ball well and starting uh, to figure it out well. So those are guys I think that were really helped by these first 11 ball games. I, I totally agree with you, Craig. And even though I, there were times you were still getting quality walks out of Dylan Campbell. I, yep. I, I mean, and it was just a matter of time. You know, I, I, I'd love – some people don't – pay much attention to this and this is just for me i love the idea when you start looking at a stat line what somebody's free base strikeout ratio is and if it's flat or near flat meaning walks and hit batsmen versus your strikeouts and 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 really truly if you go back to the indiana series too dylan campbell took some critical walks it allowed the three-run homer i think by porter brown yeah. there were some other walks along the way that he was trying to be you know, offensive, and there's different ways to be offensive. There's nothing wrong with 90 feet out of a walk. There's not. And, I, you know, and so he was starting to do that. And then, I, you know, he, he's starting to hit some more homers and drive some balls. He had some really hard outs, loud outs, uh, is, is like a lot of people, including myself, like to refer to. And he did. And he's starting to open the field up a little bit. I mean, I think early it was all, you know, mainly poolside. Now he's starting to open up the field a little bit. Moved up on the plate some, and uh, with his stance, and so he's starting to heat up. And you're 100% right, Craig. A, a year ago, this is very similar to the trend and the pattern that he had a year ago. And I'll remind a lot of people this: one of the greatest hitters in professional baseball today is a young man, or a man I got to coach in Paul Goldschmidt. And Goldie was historically a, a late starter. Historically, every professional college, it would take him about two or three weeks, or a month, and all of a sudden, you could see it coming. And then when it did, well, it just really took off, and he's starting to, you know, be able to get better looks and longer looks and drive more baseballs, and he is landing on more baseballs, as is Eric Kennedy. I mean, yeah. EK starting to, you know, create the power, starting to evolve out of his barrel as well, and you're starting to see, the, you know, the four and five years of experience uh, that he's been involved with in college baseball and his at-bats as well. Uh, when, when Goldschmidt was struggling, did it make you impatient? As a head coach, or did you know it was coming? Uh, it made me a little impatient. It made me want. It made truthfully, it made me want to get in there and coach him a little bit harder. But all, ultimately, I knew he was going to figure it out. And uh, because that very few people have I ever been around, Craig, and I, you and I've talked about this before. I don't know that I've been around a person who loves, embraces, and purely loves the the process of of baseball. He loves the game, but he loves the practice. He loves the work. He loves the time, and he truly does. And uh, as, a, as a lot of these guys do, and a lot of these Longhorns, right? and again, I know we're talking about Texas and Texas Tech now, but uh, best time, best thing coaching-wise for him, Aaron, once well, just get out of the way, let him do his thing. Sure, Ab- absolutely. I, I think uh, David took the same stance with Ivan Melendez last year when he had a perceived little slump. He said he'll be fine <laughs> just, just, and just step out of the way. Okay, Um 
so Texas opens conference play against Texas Tech this weekend. Red Raiders went 2-1 and one at home and really just kind of drubbed Oklahoma State in the two wins out in Lubbock. Here's one thing that has struck me, though, Ty. Uh, I know it's been said a lot that Tech has not played much on the road, certainly not true road games. They played down at Minute Maid, obviously. But um, this league, at least early, the early returns look much like this league in basketball. And I say it from a basketball perspective coming in from Kansas City, but it was brutally tough to win on the road in Big 12 basketball. And so I look at the Big 12 standings. Texas Tech won at home. Oklahoma beat TCU two out of three. TCU was number nine in the country or 12 in the country going in. They dropped two out of three, and they dropped a midweek as well to go to a 10 and nine. They've fallen out of the top. 25. Now they'll get back in, and they've, they've won midweek as well. But Oklahoma State was number 13 in the country, and they dropped two out of three. And Baylor, for all of the struggles, as Mitch Thompson tries to build that thing up in Waco, they take two out of three from Kansas State after getting whacked in the Friday night game. This is a tough, tough league to win on the road. You better be able to take care of your own house. That's going to be – that's going to determine – the Big 12 champion is going to determine a lot about your postseason aspirations and where you line up RPI-wise and where you line up NCAA. You better be able to take care of your own house. And, and it's very true. It's tough to play on the road. It's tough to win on the road. I think, you know, you, you'll see maybe when Texas goes on the road, maybe those games at Fullerton come into play for them. Uh, that tournament play early, you know, they, they've spent some time on the road. They understand what that is as well. Um, and you got to learn how to play on the road. You do. I mean, it, it, you know, all the way down to your, your routines and all the above. But, yes, I do think it's going to be tougher on the road uh, to win. And this weekend, you know, go, I'll go back to last weekend with Tech. They win the Friday night game on a misplayed fly ball in left field in the 10th inning by Oklahoma State. He overran the ball. Uh, with a runner on second base, and it was a winning run and a, an extra inning game. And then Oklahoma State obviously came back one Saturday. And you're right, Tech, Tech put it on them. I think they scored, who maybe eight and a seventh or eighth and a sixth or something like that. It was late. Uh, it really kind of exposed maybe some of Oklahoma State's bullpen issues. Uh, but Tech can hit when you go in there and you start digging in. They're hitting 325 as a club, and uh, but I think some keys for Texas this weekend versus Tech is going to be their bullpen. There's obviously their starting pitching, but their bullpen, too, we get a lot of those guys in the Tech lineup are left-handed hitters. So that left-left matchup, you know, Shaw's been good out of the pen, um, and Stewart, I think they'd like to get him going again. And so they're going to need some left-handed help in there. And then, you know, Tech hasn't surprisingly so far this year stolen as many bases as they normally do. Uh, they relied a lot on their slugging percentage and their, you know, driving in runs. And um, and so I think some of the keys for Texas is that. And then it, it, and from Tech's perspective, too, I know Coach Tadlock, for, you know, we've played against each other and grew up against each other, you know, coaching. And uh, Tim really likes his team. He thinks it's very athletic. It's very versatile, uh, can do a lot of different things. But the one thing that, you know, if you were going to go in there and pick out an Achilles for them right now has been their defense. I think they're feeling at 956. And uh, and I think that's something that they would probably like to try to solidify. And that's, you know, 956 on turf as well, on uh, the playing surface. And so um, I think those are, for Texas perspective is, you know, how well their, their starting pitching is against their left-handing hitter and their uh, Texas offense. And then um, I think, too, being patient, Craig, 
for Texas. If you go in and you look at Texas, you know, um, pitchers, they've got some walks in there, particularly in their starting pitcher. Can they take the walks and then be able to use their base running, which Texas, Texas UT part of it, has been pretty successful with, with three of those guys out of the top half of the lineup being able to steal bases. He's Ty Harrington. You'll catch him uh, throughout the weekend on our broadcast of Longhorn Baseball. We'll work with Roger Wallace tomorrow night at UFC Udish Farfield. Again, it's a 7 o'clock first pitch, 7 o'clock, and you'll hear it on tomorrow night's game on AM 1260 and on 101.9 FM. Saturday's game will be on 104.9 as well. Hey, I appreciate that. We'll try to wear on you a little more over the course of the weekend and keep it going. I, I appreciate you doing this, though. Well, I, I look forward to doing it. You know, I always enjoy working with you. I'm sorry we're not going to get a chance to work this weekend, but it is for definitely a great cause uh, with a basketball team. And I wish you and the basketball team nothing but the best of luck uh, tomorrow night. And I uh, look forward to listening to you do the games. And then, uh, as I always do, listen to it. Well, I won't be able to. I'll have it on my phone, I guess. There and you then go. I'll get to listen to the end of it, right? Yeah, right. It's a late night start here. Yeah, yeah, no, and I got one more. I got one more question for you. And I heard this this morning from Bucky and Aaron, and they were talking about. And I'm curious, your first vehicle. They were talking about everybody's first vehicle. What was yours? It was a Chevy Two Nova, three speed on the column. And I told this story in the first hour that I actually found an old broken driver shaft on a golf course, and took a pair of pliers and yanked. The, the remaining piece of the shaft out, took a drill and bored out the hole on the driver, then stuck it on my gear shift, a driver head. And I said, that's my driver. That's so 1970s to do something like that. But that was me as a teenager uh, back to do that. Chevy 2 Nova, beige, wow. the beige bomb, three-speed on the sorry, column. Yeah. I'm sorry I, I'm sorry I missed your, your first opening hour. Mine was similar. It was a 64 Chevy stepside truck with three there on the go. tree. There you go. I had the same thing, that three on the tree. Yeah, (laughs) no doubt about it. Do you have to be over 50? Do you have to be over 50 to know what three on the tree is? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Some people don't even know what four on the floor is. You know, uh, Monty Williams, friend of the program, texted me. It was I, I mentioned my brothers had Capris, and I said Fords. There were Mercury, Lincoln, you know, Ford Mercury, uh, uh, Ford Lincoln Mercury car division. They were Mercury's the Capris. He had a four on the floor Capri. So did uh, so did my brother had one as well. But a lot of people don't even know what four on the floor is. Ty, you know. Standard transmission. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it. Have fun tomorrow night at the ballpark. We'll see you soon. Always enjoy it. All right, thanks. That's Ty Harrington. Uh, catching with Roger Wallace tomorrow on the uh, on the baseball broadcast. Texas against Texas State. That's at seven o'clock. Excuse me, Texas Tech. That is at seven o'clock uh, tomorrow uh, night. And of course, the Longhorn basketball game will be closer to nine o'clock. Uh, when that is all done. Hey, I also want to remind you that Rodeo Austin is closing this weekend. If you haven't made it out, now is the time. There's pro rodeo action, live music, carnival, the petting zoo, festival foods, and uh, the 100X Club. Be sure to visit rodeoaustin.org or the concert calendar at hornfm.com. We'll have more coming up when we continue. We have a Flex 30 update when Light the Tower continues on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's like the tower. Six months out of sea, be coming home soon only. Hey, I want to remind you to join the horn. Rodney Rodriguez have revved up ATX live at Speedy Stop today from 3 to 6. That's at East Palmer and Harris Branch Parkway. And uh, Rodney will be out there as we host the four local race team driver, Ryan Ellis. There's details on the events calendar at hornfm.com. And then be sure to tune in on uh, Saturday morning at 11 o'clock and Sunday at noon. Rodney will take revved up ATX Dakota for the NASCAR race as well. So uh, be sure to take advantage of that. Yes, the Kansas City lights will be shining tomorrow night on uh, the NCAA Sweet 16 here. But there are Sweet 16 games today starting as early as 5.30 this afternoon. Kansas State against Michigan State. This is at Madison Square Garden in New York in the East Regional. K-State against Michigan State. Kansas State a three-seed. Michigan State a seven-seed. And then... Uh, the next game to come after that comes from the West. UConn, the four seed. Arkansas, the eight seed. That's at 615. Then later tonight in New York, it's Tennessee against Florida Atlantic, a four seed against a nine seed. And then the uh, concluding game out West, the two seed UCLA, the three seed Gonzaga. Those are the games tonight. Tomorrow, the first game at 530 out of the South, Alabama and San Diego State playing in Louisville. Then it's followed by the first game here in Kansas City, Houston and Miami. Then Creighton and Princeton. Who had that in their bracket, right? Uh, that'll be in uh, Louisville, and uh, that'll be about 8 o'clock. And then, like I said, between 8.45 9 o'clock, it'll be Texas and Xavier. Hey, uh, before we uh, take our final break, also just want to uh, remind you, when, since we're talking about the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournament, we know what's coming up in Houston and in Dallas. You can register now to win a pair of tickets uh, for the women's tournament there at American Airlines Center in Dallas or for the men's at uh, NRG Stadium in Houston, courtesy of Sentex Tickets. Sign up now at hornfm.com. The tickets do not include travel or lodging, but the tickets are the main thing to come up with there. You've got to be 18 or older to enter and win. We'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower from Kansas City on the Horn. We're done for today with today's program. Jeff Howe will be up here tomorrow. We'll have uh, more in-depth preview of Texas and Savior. We'll hear from Rodney Terry on the program tomorrow. We'll look forward to that. We'll also have a preview of the baseball matchup between the Longhorns and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And Gene Watson, the assistant general manager of this team that plays its major league ball games right here in this town, the Kansas City Royals. Gino will join us. He was at the World Baseball Classic. We'll get him to review that and also to talk, get us up to date on spring training baseball. So we've got all of that coming up tomorrow. Thanks to Ty Harrington joining us in this hour of the program for our producer, 
Cameron Parker. I'm Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. We'll visit with you tomorrow. Stay tuned. Chad and Zay are up next. We'll visit with you tomorrow right here on Life of Tower.